What's up, everyone? October 30th, 2018. Welcome into Washington Football Crunch, the official podcast of Washington football news and culture. I am one of your three hosts. My name is Micah Chen. Joining me, as always, Luke Monger of Dogman.com and Jackson Garner of Coog Fan. We have a loaded show today. There's a lot to get into. WSU beating Stanford 41-38. The sky is falling at the University of Washington. Engage Gubrud <laughs> is out for the season. Your heart breaks for him. Heart breaks for Eagle Nation. But hey, let's start with this right now. Jake Browning, uh, he was benched against uh, against Cal this past Saturday. And, and I know we all have opinions on this, but Luke, I want to give you the floor first. Mm-hmm. Can you justify this sorry situation? Um, I get, I think when Coach Peterson explained the reasoning for giving Jake Hanner a couple drives there, it makes sense the way that he explains it. Obviously, in hindsight, this, the situation that Jake Hanner was put into was pretty bad. Obviously, you don't want to give, um, or you don't want to give a redshirt freshman who has not played any significant snaps the ball on the eleven yard line against a defense that's, if you take away uh, defensive touchdowns that their offense has allowed, is giving up like seventeen points a game. It's a really tough situation for Jake Hanner. Um, you know, like, like coach Peterson said, they didn't want to keep banging their head against the wall. They obviously weren't able to get anything done with Jake Browning, uh, throughout the entirety of the game. They brought Jake Hanner in and it wasn't any better. I don't think it was necessarily either of them. I think it was just altogether an, a, just a perfect storm of disaster on offense, uh, not having miles Gaskin hurt. They couldn't find any rhythm running the ball. Uh, they couldn't find success passing the ball. Uh, Cal was doing like you saw it felt like Cal could drop seven into coverage and bring pressure with four and stop the run uh, create enough pressure to force throws early or or make Jake either Jake feel uncomfortable and it just it was it was it was kind of a disaster Luke I'm fine I'm fine with what you're saying that put a backup quarterback in that situation Browning wasn't having a good game like you said the whole offense was kind of off the whole night the whole day but the problem is, is that your backup is Jake Hayner. I'm going to say no thank you to that. That's See, that's where it, it, it hurts Washington when their backup quarterback is just... He is, he is right now incompetent. Now, if it was like, for example, a redshirt, Jacob Sherman, say this was you know 2019, uh, Sherman has a little bit more experience, just another, another season to work through the offense. We can turn this kind of putting a backup quarterback in the game, a little passing of the torch, a cute little moment, you know, where we segue from the Browning era to the Sermon era. But Jake Hayner, Jake Hayner to me is a lot like Sean McGrew. They're both decent players. Like, I I, I am indifferent to Sean McGrew. I don't necessarily like him, but he's a nice guy. Um, he does what you need him to do as a third string running back. But do I want Sean McGrew starting? Do I want Jake Hayner starting? Because that's what he would be if Browning were to go down. Hell no. In fact, I'm not even comfortable with these guys as backups. Like, if they're, if they're a backup against, like, North Dakota, like what Hayner was in that game where he, he broke out and towards the end of that one, yeah. I'm comfortable in that situation. But with Sean McGrew and Hayner, uh, forget starting. Forget, forget. I don't care who they're playing against. I don't want McGrew starting. I definitely don't want Hayner starting. But I'm not even comfortable with them as backups. The switch the wasn't the problem. The switch wasn't the problem. It was the fact that they have an inexperienced <clears throat> 5'9 quarterback as their backup. That's where you're going to lose well, the game. I think the big difference. I think the big. I think the issue with Wash with Washington in that situation there, um, is put like when you take out Jake Browning and you put in Jake Hayner, there there isn't at least from what I've seen from both of them a differentiating skill 
between either of them. I think they're pretty similar in what they bring to the Hayner table. is a light so, Jake Browning, if anything. Yeah. It's Jake Browning, both, Jake Browning like, t- think, turned down a couple notches. I think they're like both accurate, like for the most part, accurate quarterbacks. I think their job is to make deci- like smart decisions, and the difference there obviously is that Jake Hayner hasn't played against a Pac-12 opponent, and Jake Browning has. Um, so like, But you're not bringing in like a obviously there are no quarterbacks available really to Washington other than that, but you aren't bringing in a guy. It's like, okay, we can't throw the ball downfield. Let's bring in a guy that we can maybe move the chains with it, with their feet a little bit or something like that. Or, or maybe a bigger a arm, like a sermon. Like, uh, yeah, right, right. Ball downfield. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's, so it's tough. I mean, Washington was kind of, I think kind of had their hands tied. Um, I think, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a tough situation. They couldn't move the ball to save their lives. Clearly moving, Jake Hayner in for Jake Browning for a couple of drives there didn't end up being the solution uh, and I think that that's just because there isn't much of a difference between Jake Browning and Jake Hayner and, and that's why they shouldn't have made the switch it, 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 you weighed the drama compared to the change in production yeah the, cha- the, the drama that involves uh, bringing in Jake Hayner was not worth the production that the ceiling that Hayner has to come in and, and win that game because yeah. he doesn't have I it, the, it it's a, the one sort of lasting effect it could have is very high risk, high reward kind of situation. I think where, like, m- maybe it can ignite a new passion in Jake Browning. I mean, I, I don't think Jake, I don't think it was ever a problem for him to be competitive and want to win games. But you saw, I don't know if anyone saw the Adam Jude tweet today, uh, where the Huskies were given the day off today, and uh, which is usual, then, right? P- Mondays are yeah, days yeah, off. Mondays are their days off. But then Peterson walked. Coach Peterson walked by. A meeting room this morning in Brown oh. breaking down film, you know, like kind of that that classic, you know, uh, like a like, a, a, a quarterback that's under fire yeah. should be doing. Like no, he's, yeah, it, no, but like he's a under no coach fire. Players right only meeting, like, <laughs> mi- like I'm I'm not going to say that Jake didn't take ownership, obviously, of this starting job from the beginning. I think that he's always been a very competitive guy, but maybe this has a new fire or gives like it creates a different kind of sense of urgency. Where now, uh, you can see the Huskies hopefully find a balance between like kind of pushing the envelope, but also not pressing uh, where their offense can have like kind of that sense of urgency and start to act like they're, so- they're going somewhere in a hurry, you know, rather than kind of, uh, I don't know, be- being stagnant or, or, or whatever the word is. Jackson, how did you feel about the benching of Jake? Well, yeah, I, I think you guys are both wrong. Uh, to be, oh, to be honest, okay. yeah, no, I, I mean, There's you guys, so you guys seem to, to take on you this. guys. Well, you guys seem to be riding the the Chris Peterson kind of sympathy bandwagon here, hey, and I, think, I didn't like the decision. I didn't like the decision because yeah, of the painters. I, I said well, I know. And, I, playing, I understand so. the decision. I think it was wrong. Like I think it was executed poorly. Yeah. Well. Okay. So on that front, Luke, I I 100 disagree. I I don't understand the decision at all. And Michael, w- with what you were saying that you know. If you have because a dynamic it's because backup it's, well, because it's yeah. Hayner instead yeah. of Sermon, I I or, literally or, or I, Eason, yes, I mean like I, I think you're saying that based on on name value, and I, I don't think I don't think Sermon or anyone would have well, for no, that matter. No, that's why I said not right now. No, 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 Jackson. I didn't say a right now, Jacob Sermon. Say this was in yeah, 2019. He's a in 2019. Freshman. He, he'll be he, a redshirt he, freshman. Definitely. And right in 2018, in 2018, Jacob Hayner is a redshirt freshman. Is he not? Yeah, but he's like seven inches smaller, and yeah. So and what I'm saying is, close to the, the what I'm saying strength. is, you're you're making this decision based on name value, name value and Jake, tangibles. Hayner Hayner has the 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 understanding of this offense that theoretically Sermon will have his redshirt freshman year as well. I mean, obviously you can't say that because they're two different people, 
But what we saw on Saturday was what I think is the biggest lapse in in Coach Pete's tenure at W or at, excuse me at UW. Can you guys think of of anything that that no. Coach Peterson did yeah. more that I mean. It's very P. Carroll-esque, <laughs> very modern well, P. Carroll-esque. Well, and I mean, obviously, it it couldn't have ended any worse than than yeah, throwing a pick six have. the way the way it did. But the notion that that you're going to take your your quarterback who has started for the past three years, and yeah, because because he's what what was he eight for fifteen at the time? Yeah, you know, had like seventy, eighty yard. Like, yeah, I I get the offense isn't doing well, but that's kind of been the narrative for this entire year. That the offense hasn't has been underperforming. It, 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 it had never been as anemic as it, like it was just absolutely it was impossible to watch. And, well, and yes, saying, obviously, I don't think that's on Jake Browning, and I don't think that if Jake Hayner came in and led two long touchdown drives, that it would be Hayner's job forever. I just I, I understand the feeling that nothing is happening right now. Let's try to change something, you know. And you you have players rotating in at every different position on the field. You have three running backs playing. You have like seven receivers who participated. The only like, you had a couple left tackles switching in and out of there with Henry Bainavalu and Henry Roberts. Don't compare uh, rotating running backs to the same, all, all I'm the same magnitude. Like, of, hey, let's try a new quarterback. Basically, every other option you had, and I like. Well, I think long term, obviously, I don't think there's any long term implications to their decision to give Hanner a couple drives there. I think it was horribly wrong to to give it to him in in that kind of a situation because the risk of potentially a turnover turns into the risk of a touchdown. I'm not sure if that was factored into their decision or not. Well, yeah, no, it's not running through their mind. Well, <laughs> I, 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 all I'm saying Yeah, is, no, continue. Yeah, sorry. But my, my, I'm just saying that I think in their moment, they were like, let's, let's, I don't know. I mean, let's see if we can't do something different, like any sort yeah. of shot to the arm. And I think a- and that's, the coaches talk about the one, I think a difference between Jake Browning and Jake Hayner is Jake Browning is polished or is more polished in in his decision-making. But I think Jake Hanner has a reputation, at least from watching him in practice, hearing the coaches kind of talk about him. And then obviously the uh, experience that he did get against uh, North Dakota is that he is willing to kind of let it fly and give his receivers an opportunity, whether there's a big difference in how they throw the ball, what it looks like, or really just their natural skill set, physique, whatever it may be, maybe not a ton. But... I think that they were like, all right, we have this kid who's not afraid to let it fly. Let's see if he can't give the offense some sort of a shot if he tries something, I don't know, downfield. And then obviously yeah. that turned into a 37-yard yeah, interception return. for. And what, you, what you're describing to me right here sounds like a 16-year-old kid playing Madden who just went got down two scores and was like, all right, we're benching Tom Brady. We're putting put in Brian Hoyer. Let's let's get this thing rolling. Okay. Like you have you like you said, <laughs> you have your your polished quarterback and even like replacing linemen and all this stuff like you're, you're getting like you're getting desperate for just some sort of change. And when the fact like isn't Coach Peterson supposed to be the calm and and, you know, the the mature voice of the, of that team and. The fact that he's just he's just thrown in different guys and he essentially th- kind of thrown up hail marys like I I don't understand that at all even even at the li- at like playing left tackle developing a rhythm is important and, and the cohesiveness of the entire unit and, and maybe I mean I understand with with wide receivers because it's it's a little bit more of a, of a play by of a play by play deal but you know taking out the quarterback that that who has that taking out and just trying out different quarterbacks who who has that worked for in the history of football 
trying to other than other than Alabama no. because they because yeah no like I mean like, perfect example look at Cal right now trying like trying to go with multiple quarterbacks yeah, sorry this is really off like top, off topic but like the fact that Brandon McElwain gets a single snap over Chase Garbers is mind blowing to me and it will continue to blow my mind all year yeah I I think the any any coach who is willing to entertain the idea of having multiple quarterbacks take separate series is just out of their mind is yeah, completely yeah, if, if out of their mind two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks this cannot happen again going forward you yeah. from now on you have what three weeks left jake browning has a three-week shelf life or whatever four or five bowl game he, he he's on his last he's on his last chapter of his career right now and you live by him you die by him. You've already invested this much. He's been the starter for as long as any of us can remember. I mean, I literally don't remember anything that happened before. What, when do you think <laughs> well, about 2015? Okay. Like, I don't, I don't remember anything that happened before 2015. That's how long this guy <laughs> has been around. Yeah. This is, this is the, this is the decision you have made. It doesn't make sense to go against it at this point. I don't want to see Hayner in his starting lineup. Look, I compare yeah. it to the, I, I compare it to like the Seahawks. When they threw the ball at the one-yard line, their whole season, what was their philosophy? Running the football. Now, maybe if you run the football on the final play, you get stuffed. Just like maybe towards the end of the season, Jake Browning has some bad games. He's not functional anymore. But at least you went out your way. At least that you went out the only way that that you have been building up for several years now. And if you lose a, a game or two with Browning running the show... It's it's obviously you're gonna take some heat for it. Chris Peterson will the, the the coaching staff they will be seen as inadequate because they couldn't get Browning to be developed well enough. But the person that's gonna take the most heat is gonna be Jake Browning. His reputation is on the line these last few weeks, yeah. not your own. Your your job is safe. You're gonna have Eason coming in next year. You're gonna have all these dynamic options. This is Browning's chance to either thrive or embarrass himself these last few games. Don't don't let that embarrassment fall on you by constantly rotating quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to rotate. I don't think they're going to do this no. again. I don't think they're going to pull this stunt. No. I don't think they will. And, and the reason is because it was a horrible decision. And I guarantee you, in the back of, of Chris Peterson's mind, he's thinking, why the hell did I do that? No, it's in the why front the of hell, his mind. <laughs> why the hell did I do that? And I would have I would have appreciated it more because I've always admired Coach Peterson for his ability to say, listen, I made a mistake. And I, I don't think, I mean, Luke, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he may have said that that, that probably wasn't the best decision, but there shouldn't have been any explanation to this. There isn't any right, yeah. there isn't any good way to look about this. You were winning. They were, they were winning the game. You know, was winning. <laughs> like, I, you're just, you were trying, you were yeah, trying to please snoozer. other people. Yeah, I, hey, if you got to win a snoozer, go win a snoozer, but. That's been their MO all you, year. I think Chris Peterson was trying to please other people other than winning a football game right there. And I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I a little, little bit of an ego uh, thing, man. Like, uh, Hey, Hey, I'm in charge right now. I'm not afraid to bench the golden boy, which is what Browning has yeah. been for a long time. And Luke, you talk about rotating in like those skill players and trying different formulas. Yeah. These, these skill guys right now, nobody is stepping up like outside of Gaskin Aaron Fuller, Ty Jones, like Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant are averaging under five yards of carry in like their spot duty and then now doing more of the full-time role. I mean, Andre Bocelli, no touchdowns on the year. He's been a, a decent third option at best behind Aaron Fuller and Ty Jones. I mean, Chico left the team. It's like the whole thing is just falling apart. Hayner is a non-factor. Drew Sample is not Hunter Bryant. There's a lot of hype around these guys. Like you say names like Andre Bocelli, you know, Drew Sample, Sean McGrew, but... They're 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 decent at best. They're average at best. These 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 skill players 
that are backing up the, st- the star players, basically the big yeah. names and on UW's offense. Husky fans probably aren't as pleased with Savan Ahmed as they thought they would be by this point in the season. Oh, well. I, I didn't even mention him because that's how non-factor he was in his last game. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, I think all of those are are symptoms of the greater illness, which is just Washington's offense as a whole is not what it's been in the past. Um, you look this year, Washington has scored 30 points only three times this year. Jake Browning's sophomore year, they averaged, I think, 43 points a game. You know? Like, this is just a very different offense. Uh, it, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think I don't, it's because I, they don't have the depth. They don't have the, 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 the players outside of, like I said, this big almost, three to, to Ty almost, Jones and Miles Gaskin. I, I, that, uh, I, I don't, don't think, have, yeah. It almost not the depth as, as much as they don't, like, I think they have a ton of depth. I think, I think Savon and Kamari and Sean are all good, adequate players that a lot of football teams around the country would be happy with to have in their stables. And I think Andre Bocelli and Aaron Fuller and Ty Jones are all great pieces. Uh, But, like, you look, and I love Aaron Fuller. I think Aaron Fuller is one of the best receivers in the conference. But if they roll, like, they were rolling cloud coverage over him and all this stuff, they'd have a high safety. Uh, Like, basically making sure that whether it was true double coverage or not, there were two bodies mostly near Aaron Fuller all game long. And he is significantly less effective. You know? Like, I, I feel like they don't have... That I mean, obviously John Ross, Dante Pettis. Without Miles Gaskin, they don't have that guy. That you know, when there's only three yards of running room, that gets you six. You know, or when there is when there aren't any. I don't know when that like Dante. Yeah. Like Dante's a guy that like I don't know. He's not open, so just throw it up and he's gonna jump and make some ridiculous <laughs> catch. Ty Jones does that sometimes. Uh, he's I think he's becoming better at using his body. He's been. He, well, I'll, I'll give him. I would. Like, I would. I would completely agree with that, and in, in, in the sense that, like, it's this is not a depth thing. Like, you don't see, like, receivers aren't dropping footballs, and, and and there's not been like people just missing assignments or anything. Like, this is this is a a, a communication breakdown. This is a mental psyche thing. Like, mm-hmm. I I thought I thought Brock Heward brought up an interesting interesting point that there seems to be like a breakdown in communication between Peterson, uh, ex- offensive coordinator. Uh, Hamden, Hamden, and Browning. Like they're clearly something is not. They're not on the same page here, and it's L- showing in the offense because it's it's not. One thing that's like surprising is how many times like Jake Browning's interception against Auburn, uh, Jake Browning's interception against North Dakota, and Jake Browning's interception U of O this last weekend, um, were all examples of Jake expecting someone to continue to come back towards the sideline and mm-hmm. then throwing it and it's intercepted. Because they don't, yeah. you know, and it's just like those little things and things that don't show up on tape. It looks like just an awful ball, right? You watch it live. <laughs> like I remember watching it live. It's uh, unjustifiable, in, like in so Memorial it. Stadium. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, because I thought Jake was trying to throw it away because there was just absolutely no one there. And it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, well, like, come on, buddy. And then you, you watch the tape, and I, I think this one was actually Aaron Fuller, like coming back towards the sideline, and then he just kind of. Like he he's obviously he's very close to the sideline, but there's space to come back towards, and he kind of just stops, and Jake throws it, and it's there's no one there, you know. And yeah. it's just those little those little things that aren't like immediately obvious, but look just so bad. Uh, but but there's, uh, some, there's uh, something more there than just like oh not yeah. a good ball or a bad decision. But this is like this is supposed to be 
this is supposed to be UW's MO, like the little things, the discipline, exactly. the details, the, the attention to detail. That's supposed to be UW's thing, and they're not doing it. And, and I mean, I, you know, I'm not a coach, so I can't really say what's what's to be fixed. But that that team has to kind of have a, a look in the mirror moment and say, like, what is our identity and what do we do? And that's that's what they do. They they are disciplined. They they focus on the minor details, and, and they. They take pride in their execution. They just haven't done that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I feel this is like, I feel fanny when I say things like these. And like, I don't know. I don't necessarily enjoy that because it sounds like kind of like I'm just fa- saying things <laughs> without ed- being like any reason to them. But I think the one thing that it, it feels like might hurt you, Dub, is uh, like, I almost think they're too level-headed or even keeled you know what i mean like to the point where it almost comes across as nonchalance does that, that's interesting does that make sense like uh, they have an r around them they, they have they ha- but i yeah. i don't know about that though because i mean after after a loss against or like you're like after the second loss it's you're looking at yourself and you're like okay this is not how this season was supposed to go like i don't know how you could be level-headed through that you know well, what i'm saying well, yeah, okay no, but luke but who's the guy in the locker room that's gonna be the non-level-headed guy who who's going to be the one that's going to be loud, brash, well, you like, think of like in more personality? Years, you think of Victor and Saul Mooching, uh, Travis Feeney. Yeah, uh, like I don't see Byron Murphy as being a rah rah guy. Well, I don't, don't see like, Gas. Like, I, I don't think definitely you need that. I don't think you need that necessarily. I think, I think you definitely need some like not somebody that's going to raise the energy. Some somebody that's going to that's going that's going to sh- shed the whole. Uh, UW comma collected yeah, feeling. You don't to have it. to. You don't have okay, to be okay, brash you, to raise you know energy. Okay. And like the Pac-12 is weird and dumb all of the time. But you say like you, you think about like your your point about like looking after the Oregon loss and being like this is not how this is supposed to go and having this kind of fire under you. Look at the next two weeks. Like you're still a you're a four point lead halfway through the fourth quarter against a Colorado team that has now lost three games in a row, including a loss last weekend to Oregon State, their first conference win of the year. And then they go and hang 10 on Cal. You know? Yeah. That, people that, were comparing... I just don't know. <laughs> people were comparing yeah. this uh. to the Arizona State loss. To me, this is not comparable to... Because that ASU loss was... It was season-ending, kind of like the Oregon loss was season-ending. You know, They went into that game number five in the country. Uh, that loss against Arizona State was much worse than the one against Cal. It's it, it's equally yeah, depressing because they're yeah. below average teams. Well, no, the weird thing about I it... I disagree with that. The weird thing about it is, like, with every loss, your context for the season changes, and the Pac-12 is so ridiculous this year that Washington's, like, situation did not change at all. Yeah, no, it, but it's nobody are, wants to say that. They just want to focus on falling out of the top 25. <laughs> they were on Friday. Like today, they're as in control of their destiny as they were on Friday, which is unbelievable yeah. to me. Nothing's well, changed. To the to your point that the Arizona State loss is worse, I 100% disagree because the Arizona State loss, you're looking at like a, a kicker. It was it was it was one of the players that that dropped that dropped the ball. Like you you missed two field goals. Yeah, two Sabah that Ahmed that should should win you a game. Called back for holding. Yeah, like there's a lot of things that just did not go your way. Makes it this hurt was more all that way, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I may, maybe it hurts more, but this was all self-inflicted. But the Everything weird, that the happened at Cal was self-inflicted. About this game was Washington, by the way, wins their first coin toss of the year 
The Huskies are winless when winning coin tosses now um, this season. Interesting. Uh, kick the ball, three and out, get the ball, 14 plays, march down the field and score. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, they're going to win by 100. Y- like, yeah, I mean, I remember looking at the box score and it was seven zero, and I was like, oh, okay, that's how that, I was that's how that game's thinking, going. Can Cal kind of keep it close because I got to watch this whole thing? So <laughs> that's no, it was like I felt the almost exact same way. I was like, wow, like I knew that like Cal was not playing great in conference play. And I was like, I felt that Washington was like, I don't know. It felt like now that they're in control of their destiny, they were ready to. I don't know. Kind of take the season yeah. by the horns, take the bull by the horns, and march this thing home. Uh, and they come out and do that right away, and then just stall. It was crazy. <laughs> so Luke, was usually wrong. following a, t- a tough loss, you'll put out a tweet the next day that will <laughs> yeah. say it, it, it's a great day to be a husky. And and here's the thing, like that actually helps. I mean, you get a lot of people that that like that yeah, and think that's kind of a, a healthy, healthy. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's one size fits all. It's it, it's it's kind of a common denominator uh theory right everybody everybody's a husky fan yeah. on the internet so but here's the thing uh was it a great day to be a husky fan following that because that one had a little that one felt yeah. different than the auburn loss mm-hmm. or the penn state loss there was something that was like did you feel like it was a great day to be a husky after that because clearly you would have said something if it was right yeah no I, I i like to be honest i did forget but now you know like i think it was still i think every day is a great day to be a husky but i think you needed might be to best to skip mo- that day. Like I think that it just <laughs> felt like it required more mourning than than previous losses. It just felt and, and 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 because believe really those like, other losses, you know, had a lot of mourning as well. <laughs> it's really weird to watch your four year record setting quarterback have an apparent moment of disconnect from C- Coach Peterson. You know, like a. Like a two series long falling out, almost it felt like. Yeah. I mean, I doubt there's any bad blood there, obviously, but you know, just like, uh, just the weird coming off of, like the feeling coming off of it was. I don't know. It's hey, every great dynasty, man. Point, it gets to the point like they lose to Auburn, uh, but they just can't convert in the red zone. Gosh dang, so close. Okay, they're fine. Uh, and then they go and lose in overtime to Oregon, and you're like, dang, you're a break against Auburn and a 38-yard field goal away from being undefeated. However, they can still, with the help of Washington State beating Oregon, win out and win the North and potentially still go to the Rose Bowl, so you still feel fine about that. And then even though the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 championship are still in play, uh, like you go and you lose that game, albeit with another bad break, a pick six thrown by a redshirt freshman quarterback that had never played a Pac-12 or had never (laughs) thrown a pass in a Pac-12 game before. And then you're like, Okay, like at what point are you just a couple breaks away from being undefeated, or are you a three-loss team that can't figure it out? You know, have you guys noticed the sick thrill that WSU fans are getting? Not just out of their own team's performance, uh, seven and one, eight and one, whatever it is right now. Is it is it eight and one right now, Jackson? Seven and one. Seven and one, right? But they're also getting a sick thrill out of UW's failures. I mean, they're. They are dancing on top of the rooftops right now. That has now. always <laughs> been the case. There has never been there's never been a, well, no, never been a time feel... But they haven't had a Go chance ahead. to do it at this level. It hasn't been it hasn't been this oh, it, like no, it is. Well, there's rarely is there a time where it's never overlapped like this, I feel like. Yes. 
I think this is a unique time that that WSU is ahead of UW. But but it's like but it's like it's UW not ahead, fans it's... have always loved when UW lost. Yeah, when for UW sure. Right. And, 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 and a normal never... UW loss on Twitter, um, or or something along these lines. It's it's like like obviously one thing I think is almost I f- I feel like the Cougs maybe I'm not looking for it are enjoying their thing more than Washington not having theirs, which is good and how it should be mm-hmm. when you have a ten and one team. Uh, or not a ten one team, a tenth ranked team that has one loss. Yeah. Uh, but I th- like you pointed it out on twi- like people were talking about it on Twitter. Uh, like both teams control their fate in terms of winning out and winning the conference. Uh, like it's not neither team in this situation can hatch or count their eggs before they hatch. Washington does not look li- like these last couple weeks has not looked like a team uh, that you should feel super confident about them beating Stanford beating Oregon State, and then going on the road to beat Washington State. But history does not suggest that the Cougars should feel very comfortable about Mike Leach going toe-to-toe. Both teams are 0-0 right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, it. what really, if you want to really piss off a Cougar fan is say that University of Washington controls their own destiny. You really want to piss off a Cougar fan? Just oh, go yeah. tell them no, that. I saw a couple of that on... I, and I it's and funny... Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like, hey, hey, guys, guess what? Both WSU and UW control their own destiny. They're like, having the same type of season right now. <laughs> no, I would t- completely disagree with that. They're not well, both no, having the I same know, type but, of but season right regard, now. Like, but because, even though WSU is, is as a rocket ship up their ass right now, and UW is like digging a grave, they're still technically have. They're, they're still they're, technically they're, at at you know they they control their own destiny, and it's like, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's it's at a point where and obviously WCU fans love the failures of UW, but they want to just see them die. They just want to say like go like no, you don't control your own destiny, but yet yes, they do. They want and WCU it, to control their destiny. They would. They, they do. They, they, they do. want to bury. And they, them, they, they right? do. <laughs> but they they do. That's the thing. They're not. They're not. You know. <laughs> I don't know why they don't understand. Or I mean, I I I, I do. I know. It, yeah. But it's. They want to, they WCU fans want to be the only team that controls their own destiny, but that's and, not and how that why works. Why shouldn't they? Why should, I mean, it's, no. it's, their, it's their team. Uh, yeah, you, you, you would, uh, any it's, team would really want though, to be in control it, of their own destiny. It's what's amazing and horrible about college football all at the same time. You know? Yeah. Like you, you've got two absolutely different programs. You've got a, a surefire college football playoff contender, Heisman that, contender. That had, like, <laughs> that had that, no, that had going into the season had. College football playoff or best conversations. Oh, got you, right? Dub. Okay, yeah, yeah. That feels like it's just like people hate their four-year record-setting quarterback on the internet. They hate well, him right now. Dude. Yeah, people are mm-hmm. tweeting like I've seen fire Pete tweets, which is just absurd, <laughs> right? All this stuff. No, and then you've got <laughs> you've got this team where their own former first-round quarterback picks them to go four and eight before the season starts. <laughs> Yeah, you know? you've got a grad transfer from Eastern Carolina that ain't nobody heard of before <laughs> fall camp, and and that's who you're supposed to hang your hat on. And yeah, it's like exactly. I don't know like, what to you, make you of have this. Cayman Cooper, people like that name, like a big record-setting high school yeah. quarterback, and Dude, like, beautiful nope, kid, Eastern yeah. Carolina guy. Uh, that yeah, I mean, w- was just kind of slanging it together. What he was an F- that Eastern Carolina's FCS, right? Uh yes yes right? I believe and so. It's like, nope, that's our guy, and boom, legitimate or at least should be legitimate Heisman candidate 
Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a is second. Tenth yeah. in the country, seven and one, and wash. Yeah, now Washington's kind of having their mini meltdown, and both of them in terms of the conference uh, conference <laughs> championship are in the exact same position. It's just yeah. What I will have to s- what I will just say about WCU fan situation is that you, c- however frustrated you want to be that UW controls their own destiny, you know, fine, feel feel that way. But you, you, your team also, our team also <laughs> controls our own destiny. And at this point, right now, on October 29th, was it third, 29th? Yes, I believe it was it's the 29th. Actually, Jackson is the 30th. Yes, well, okay, 30th. well, yes, it's, it's the 30th, yes. Uh, October 30th, you got to be feeling pretty good about where you're at compared to where the team on the west side is at. Oh, yeah, but 100%. if you're just being USC, you know, no, I mean, could all be fixed. <laughs> in control of their yeah. destiny thing is fanfare. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's reality too, and both teams should obviously be. Yeah, uh, we're going to take the week off because we. <laughs> they accomplish yeah. what everyone will say is their goal from the beginning of the season, which is winning the conference. But this whole who's in control of their own destiny thing is each team trying to flex on each other. Yeah, and and you know. The fact of the yeah. matter is, is if, if you're a WCU fan, you have to feel really good with where you're at. Oh, if you're a UW you fan, you probably don't feel great with where you're at. No, you feel you good. Are. You feel good that yeah. you're still you still capable of go winning a Pac-12 championship. But for what was supposed to happen, you can't feel great. It's like no, it's I, it. It feels like if you're I don't know how to explain it. If like uh, I don't know, I don't have a brother. But you know, like, <laughs> I do like, try and try. What if you like trip your brother, and like he falls on his face, and then he goes like complaining to your mom and dad, and they're like, like, Shh, like John, be quiet. Yeah. Like, I don't have to deal with it. like you feel yeah. good because you got away with murder, you but feel you also feel guilty about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that's kind of what it feels like. It's like wow, like we really like it feels great to still be in a little bit of the driver's seat, but man, we don't deserve yeah. it at all, well, and it what, doesn't yeah. look like. What, like there's still two pretty daunting and things. i mean also like what i'm from my perspective it's like you know i don't if you're a UW fan and you feel good about saying you're in control of your own destiny i don't know why you feel good about that because you just lost to a cal team where you only scored one touchdown and they didn't score an offensive touchdown you still got what two more games before the apple cup and where you're going to before you're going to play one of the most potent offenses in the country like I don't know how good you can feel about that other than history is on your side. Yeah, no, that's but, the, the only argument is history. And the fact that like Washington has lost Washington has lost three very different games. They've lost a low scoring, ridiculous whatever the heck that was. Then you lose like a pretty toe to toe, not quite a slug fest, but where both teams were moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Twenty or thirty twenty seven. Uh, and then you in Auburn get dominated for 28 minutes and then you dominate for 28 minutes and then just a couple breaks for the other four of those 60 minutes end up changing the outcome of the game. Uh, yeah. So it's weird. I mean, but it's, I, I think it's just like the consistency, like just the consistent feeling of like, Oh, they were a break from like really kind of finding their offensive rhythm there. Or like, Oh, they're, they're just right about to find their offensive stride. And then all of a sudden you go and you lay an egg against Cal. Yeah. who does have a good defense. And it's, I think, important to point that out, but mm-hmm. not good enough that they should hold you to ten points. Uh, yeah. When you're well, Chris I just Peterson, think Jake Browning, Bush Hamden. Yeah. I just think that all like both like you can talk you can talk about you know 
the success of WCU this year, the whether the the history that favors UW is relevant. You can talk about it all you want, but it really doesn't matter. And both teams shouldn't be feeling great looking into the Apple Cup because a for WCU, I'm not I'm not going to mention the history anymore. But you look at this UW team, and you're like, okay, they just had one of the biggest you know mental collapses that I've you've probably ever seen with coach Chris Peterson coaching. But this that that happened last week. You're playing UW in three weeks. That like there is three weeks for them to figure something out here. Like that you know, like just a week ago, or t- a week ago and two weeks ago, their offense was looking relatively fine, or at least a UW offense. Like it you know it yeah. wasn't they weren't tearing people apart, but they were getting they were getting the job done enough enough to win a game. So like. If you're thinking that that because of this Cal game is going to mean like oh well we just need to score 20 points and and we're going to be fine <laughs> like they they have plenty of time to to figure things out and I mean you know and obviously I've already stated the reasons why UW shouldn't be feeling good but I I don't think there's either side should be feeling like all right we got this like this is no, our game not. like Jackson said I think if you're on the east side of the state you have plenty of reason to feel confident and i think on the west side of the state you should be a little nervous yeah i think that's fair both teams control their own destiny right now and the thing is with with just nine conference games you're for the most part unless you go on like a four game losing streak you're going to control your destiny or be within one game of it at all times especially two teams like uh, the in-state ones right now but garner Minshew, right now he is leading the country with 3183 passing yards a 26 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio, uh, average a uh, higher completion percentage uh, than uh, all the other top contenders out there right now. Mm-hmm. But if everyone is talking about how overlooked Garner Minshew is in the Heisman race, is he really being that overlooked? He's about where he should be as far as the conversation. He's in the conversation. Um, if they lose one oh. more game, he's probably out of it. So let's we're, we're all aware okay. right now. Okay. No one in the media is saying okay. bad things about Minchie right now. We're all saying, hey, he's overlooked. Yeah, but no Everybody's one's saying saying anything about him. That's the whole. What, that's you wanted the to be, thing. You want to be worshipped? Like, is, is, is that something that he should? Is, he's the best quarterback <laughs> in the country right now. The, the, like everything that you just said is is entirely. Is the is all the the rhetoric of the East Coast bias right there, and why he's not in the conversation right now? Everybody's talking. Oh, about, because hey, it's it's just Minshew it's just right a now. Mike Leach quarterback. No, everyone in Pullman is saying we should consider Mike. We should we should consider Gardner Dude, Minshew right now. No one is actually doing it. Other than the West, on Coast the West media. Coast media, millions of people on the West Coast think that Gardner Minshew should be in the high school yes. right now. Yes. But they're all in the state of Washington, or they all have some sort of tie to the Pac-12. No one that's covering that's covering the SEC or that's covering anywhere around anywhere they're else, any guys. other conference, they, 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 is they're saying on their own conference right now. They're like, "Hey, what about Kyler Murray? What about what about?" Yeah, that's because they don't care about the football that's being played on the West Coast, and they're not doing their job. That's that's the ridiculousness of being a, a writer, of being a sports writer, and it is exactly what we do. And it's the ridiculousness of it all is that you don't pay attention to the entire to the big picture and what's happening everywhere, and and you just focus on what's happening in your neck of the woods. And yes, the people who have the people who get to shout the loudest get there have the most representation. Tua uh, Tagovailoa hasn't even played a fourth quarter yet. Yeah, okay. the guy hasn't played a fourth quarter yet, and I get it. he's fantastic. He's great. He plays for the best team, but. 
any any way you choose your Heisman candidate, oh, you've got to play for the best team. Well, Gardner Minshew plays for the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Right. Oh, he's got to have a great narrative. Well, Gardner Minshew has a great narrative. He's a graduate transfer quarterback who won the job going two weeks before camp started, probably before that, but Mike Leach will never admit it. And... and Oh, and if you like stats, well, Gardner Minshew has the best. So I don't get it. What is it? I don't. What? What is wrong with the guy? And he's hilarious. He's personable. There's nothing. He's There's really virtually nothing. He is yes. like the greatest representation of Cougar football in the world. Like, he's almost like. Do you know what he is? We talked about it. Like, if UW is like, if we're in a Star Wars world, UW is the Death Star and the Sith Lord. <laughs> he he is he is he's the Galactic Empire. Solo. Yes. Oh, absolutely! He's just yes, like this gunslinging kind of like goofy. I don't even know how to describe it, but like, is it just an absolute machine? And the one thing that I'll say is my argument against that he's just a Washington State Mike Leach system quarterback is obvious. Like, I didn't watch because they weren't as big of a deal. Like, Gardner Minshew, and part of it was also game day coming there has made them a mm-hmm. bigger deal nationally than Luke Falk ever did. I really only watched Luke Falk in the Apple Cup, but I I cannot remember a single time in my entire life that Luke Falk pushed the ball downfield, ever. Am I wrong? D- no, he didn't. Consistent. He didn't really. And then no. Look at the play that he made throwing the ball downfield to Jameer Calvin in traffic against Stanford. Like that was incredible. third and two. Third and two. Exactly. Incredible throw. And then he moves the chains yep. on fourth down against Oregon. Uh, and then, like later, throws a touchdown. Like the whole time, and Dude, you're, he's playing. He's perfect. Fan, yeah, you're we, watching <laughs> that drive. Like first of all, begging that, like there's no cooging of that game. And then watching, it's like this is why Mike Leach <laughs> gives me anxiety. Like you're winning by a touchdown with under five minutes. Run the ball. Run the ball. Run the ball. And it's like nope. Like we're just gonna keep doing our thing. Sling, sling, sling. End zone. Aesop Winston Jr. Right or no? Was that who it was? Uh, Renard Renard Bell. No, I'm talking about. Uh, the, oh wait, are you talking? Oh, yes, yes. Right? It's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, But, like, he's going out and he's, like, he's not making system quarterback plays, you know? Yeah. He's making and I just, I don't understand season-defining plays. Ba- okay, and, and, and I, I made this comparison in my column, but Baker Mayfield was the gunslinger. Baker Mayfield did all the things that a system quarterback doesn't do. And, he pl- and guess what? Also played in the air raid offense, and he was without a doubt for the entire season the clear-cut Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner. Like, and, and, and Gardner Minshew is doing more. He's doing more than what Baker Mayfield did, and he's not he's hardly in the conversation. He's on the fringe and people feel cute when they when they suggest him and like like they're their you know they're an individualistic writer when they say that because cause no one else is paying attention to him. And ooh, yeah, I'm so I'm so cool because I know who Gardner Minshew is. It's like, no, you're ridiculous and everyone should be saying it. And it's bullshit. Yeah, no, it's but here we are. Kookfan.com, like, go check out go check out Jackson's article on that. Yes, shameless plug. And, like ten thousand yeah. reads so on it. If we're just gonna look at the, the their like the thing for 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 me is with Tua. If you take Tua off of Alabama, they're still a billion and O, and they're winning by seven thousand yeah. points every single week. And then Kyler Murray in Oklahoma, they've lost two games, right? Yeah. Right? And it's like, that's disappointing. They were a top 10 team going into this year. Like, he's a good quarterback for sure. But, like, you've got this guy who has, like, Tua has not affected Alabama's season outcome at all to this point in the season. Maybe he'll have a moment where he does later. Like, Kyler Murray hasn't been able to keep Oklahoma where they were supposed to be. Gardner Minshew changed the trajectory of the season 
a thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent. And if I know, you get my vote right now. But I also love the story. I mean, you can't not love the story. Yeah, and that's what I—that's what I just don't understand. It's like every every single way you look at it, he should be in the conversation, and he's just not. Like, I I think the fact that like that we're still mentioning Kyler Murray as as a, a candidate is just ridiculous. And it yeah. it's just, you know I Mike Leach said it this morning, the teams that get to shout the loudest and, and get to shout the loudest, not can shout the loudest. That, that there's the media tension around them, that they have, you know, big established programs. Those guys get to win the Heisman. But when you're in Pullman, Washington, and you have two or three reporters at every, you know, at every media availability, and, and the media room isn't full, then you don't shout very loud. And, you, and, and therefore, your quarterback is not in the consideration. And that's, I think that really at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is that we just, WSU just can't shout loud enough. Did you guys hear that Washington State was fined $25,000 for rushing the field? I, it was the I max, did hear that. It was the yeah. max the conference would allow. But the good news is that the, the boost to the local economy after college game day was probably enough to cover any <laughs> of those expenses, jacked up ticket prices. And Pac-12 not doing Washington State any favors, not looking the other way. I'm sure that uh, I think the Stanford game, the ten people also jumped the field. No, no, it was the the Cal game. Yeah, the four people that were at the Cal game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love <laughs> it in, in my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I personally, I didn't even think. I didn't think rushing the field against Oregon was a great look. But you know, it's fun. It's game day. It was hype there. You know, you gotta. You got to go out and and have fun. Yeah, the, the, it's not something that's weighed on the minds of the fans at that point. Yeah, they they should they just want to do it because that's that's going to be a memorable moment. Uh, sad news coming out of Shaney Washington, Eastern quarterback Gage Hubert out for the season. He actually was practicing in full pads on Tuesday, uh, but really? now he is out for the year. Yeah, yeah, people thought he might play against Idaho, and wow. Cooper. Uh, sorry, uh, Gage Hubert. Like, if you were to, I don't know, rank him amongst the most loved uh, Eagles over the last decade, he's up there with Cooper Cup. I mean, he's probably just below him, but he is a beloved figurehead. Uh, if you Google him, his his DUI arrest is still the first thing that comes up, but I'm not going to let that be our lasting memory of him. Uh, some of the greatest moments in Eastern recent history, making it to the FCS semifinals in 2016, uh, beat the Cougars, beat WSU 45-42 that same year in 2016. Uh, was like four yards shy of ten thousand. So I mean, that's that's just a a sacred class, you know, making it to that ten thousand mark. He didn't quite make it, but uh, he was. I mean, two and a half years starting basically and making it to ten thousand or getting close to that. That's impressive. Yeah, and well, what what sucks too is it happened now, so he doesn't get his medical. Re- I mean, uh, you know, what? Not like it was close, but oh, he I, can't, he's, can't he's, get a medical. Yeah, he's probably gonna yeah. go to the next level anyways. Right now, he's. I mean, I don't know what he. Well, would, I don't know what he could can, benefit from Canadian Canadian next level. Like, in my NFL team, I mean, if NFL, you think he's going to go to an NFL team, if Riley Hennessy gets a tryout, he should get a tryout too, because everybody, Riley, everybody around here, you is think sold. Riley, you think Riley Hennessy is getting an NFL tryout? Uh, if, if you ask his friends, he's definitely going to get an. Yeah, NFL I'm sure. I'm sure he <laughs> thinks that. They're, but they're, I, I know a lot of people who thought they were going to be first round draft hey, picks. I, and hey, that I, didn't I, happen. I actually have a rant I want to get into about Central a little bit later on, but uh, Gage Grubud, 
is a former Big Sky champion as well. And Eastern hosted Idaho, um, historic matchup, first time in 20 plus years. Nice three new to rivalry, it was a sellout game from homecoming. Now, I still would have rather seen Eastern play Montana, but them's the breaks. I guess Idaho is the new big rival, so that's the team they're gonna be playing every single season. Idaho is not quite as good as Eastern right now, but yeah, that's it, that's a it, pitiful rivalry. <laughs> It's it's what they're, I mean it's sold out so I'm sure that I'm sure and it's on Root Sports. Hey, I, I gotta tell you guys some breaking news right now. Central Washington University is actually out of they're not out of playoff contention, but they're not looking good right now. Isn't that interesting? I mean they're seven and two, and they're not even like they're so. I'll break it down it right now. So Central Washington, if if the playoffs started today, they wouldn't qualify, and they're not actually close to qualifying. Um, they're seven and two. They're ranked number twenty in the country. So that might sound shiny on paper, but the truth is, is they are fighting for their playoff lives. In fact, uh, like I said, if the season ended today, there'd be no playoffs. This is how the Division II playoffs work, okay? It's kind of a confusing process, but I want to make it as simple as possible. The country is divided into four areas, and they are known as super regions. Now, Central is a really weird super region because it's not like... Texas has its own region, basically. You know, It's like there's like a whole yeah. cluster of teams, like you know, South Alabama... So, like, in Central's region, there's, like, Minnesota State, Texas A&M Commerce, Southern California-based Azusa Pacific. So, they have a really large super region. And the top seven teams from each region move on to national playoffs. Right now, Central is ranked number eight in their region. Now, you can chalk it up to playing in one of the most competitive regions in the country Eight of the top 20 teams in the country reside in the super region that Central Washington is in. Now, to give some perspective on how competitive Central Washington's region is, take a look at this. Texas A&M Commerce, um, they hold the final playoff spot. So, like, they're the seventh seed. Like I said, top seven teams make it to the, to the, to the playoff, you know, the brackets. And they're the final playoff spot, Texas A&M Commerce, in Central's region. And they were last year's national champions. So the national champions last year are hanging on by a thread to make the playoffs. Minnesota State, they haven't lost a game since October 2016. And they're not even the number one team in the region. <laughs> I te- think about that. Wild. A team that hasn't lost a game in over two years now is not even the best team in Central's Wait, but region. they didn't win the championship last year? Or a regular season game they haven't lost? Min- yeah, regular season game. So Jeez. Minnesota State is they were the one seed out of the region. No, they were the two seed behind Central last year, but uh, they lost to the playoffs. So they haven't lost a regular season game in over two years. If you look at Central Washington's two losses on the season, the one that's hurting the most right now is the twenty eight twenty six upset. Remember that one that I said was the West program Texas A&M one or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yes, the, yes. The, the home opener, the one that I classified as a program uh, the defining almost like this, like putting their program back a, a, a couple years. Yes. That loss is haunting them right now because if you can believe it, that is the only loss to an unranked opponent that the entire top eight has in their region. So that's why they're at number eight because they're the only team that's lost to an unranked opponent. Now hmm. this might sound pretty sad, but there's plenty of optimism. I'm going to give you guys uh, the reason why central still has a good chance to sneak into the top seven. For Central to make the national playoffs, they must finish the regular season undefeated. And any loss to their next three opponents, I mean, it would be a mathematical certainty. They wouldn't qualify for the playoffs. Ah, what the frick was that? Luke. I accidentally hit the remote. (laughs) Or not the remote, the microphone. So 
going, like I said, okay, going undefeated the rest of the way is highly attainable. The next three opponents have a combined record, a combined 272 record, you know, so that's, that's pretty miserable. They have three cupcakes coming up right now. Now, here's the catch, though. Central would need at least one of the seven teams above them to lose over the next three games. I mean, if they all go undefeated, how can, how can you justify putting Central? I mean, if they all won, out. This might sound simple. After all, what's the likelihood that all seven teams are going to win out? Eh, it's actually pretty good because none of the remaining games for the top seven teams feature top 25 opponents. So... So what you're saying is that the <laughs> odds are good that Central is not going to make the playoffs, despite well, them probably winning out. Yeah, they're gonna win out. I don't. I still think that you're gonna get at least. I mean, 21 games because, like, like I said, seven teams left, three games left. Um, and you just I, need I, one of those teams above them to lose. I mean, yeah, I I would say that'd be enough to. Like, what have you done for me recently? I mean, Central's loss would have been eight weeks old at that point, so I think that would be enough. But it's just absurd to me that. Like, like I said, the top 20 teams in the country right now, eight of them are in Central's region, and five of the top 10 teams yeah, in the country are in Central's well. region. So, like, because yeah. the thing is, like, the super region, the brackets, like, um, the rankings, like, you have the national rankings, top 25, that comes out every week, right? But the super regions just came out last week, the rankings. Now, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, Central is at number eight. How is this even possible? I mean, it's a 10-team conference, like a 10-team mini-conference, and Central is number eight. And they were, like I said, they're, like, seven and two. And that side, so I just I looked at all the other teams, and it sucks. It really sucks right now, and they're they're fighting for their playoff lives. But that's gonna do it for us this week in Washington football. We need to get the hell out of here right now. You guys got anything coming up this week as far as your journalism? Oof, just Husky. Nothing that I can. Is be the yeah. Thing for me. Oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> 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 We we yeah. pretend that basketball is not us because we're a year-round football show, so oh, yeah. we, don't, we don't even acknowledge. Except we did talk about quite a bit of basketball last year, and we even got we even touched into some baseball, if I if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but those March you know. episodes can be a little wacky, man. <laughs> those yeah, yeah. like pro, pre-spring ball. <laughs> yeah, you got play. Uh, but nothing, nothing that I can. Yeah, change your player comparison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now I got, I don't have anything to kind of tease right now, but just keep on the lookout. You know, if you're a twenty four seven subscriber, I, yeah, I, I Jackson, is it true 24/7? you pay for your twenty four seven subscription? Uh, well, my my you father don't? pays for it, but uh, yeah, I pay for mine, but I got the three. I got the buy one month, get three months free. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, but, yeah, and and dude, here's you know. the thing: it's ten dollars. Like I don't care if I if I have to give up ten dollars for something I love like really like love. Said, it's a cup of coffee. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What'd you hear that, Luke?" <laughs> hey, it's a cup of coffee, man. That's what that, that's what like Netflix will say that. Um, any subscription will say, "Hey, we get a month subscription to the New York Times or a cup of coffee." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a very artisan coffee, cup of coffee. <laughs> and if you don't like it, we'll give you a refund. Uh, for myself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is actually a thing for me, okay? So it's high school football playoff season. Check it out, mm. CascadiaPreps.com. Also broadcasting some of the Eastside games with the NAFHS Network. We're talking all oh, the fun. marquee matchups. Richland, Gonzaga Prep. Uh, Richland. He can't even. There's so many, he can't even remember yeah. them all. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Richland, Brisco- There's you know Richmond, Gonzaga Prep, and none other. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what would be a big name? Central Valley, not. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like true name brands, but 
but name <laughs> first Island. name brand name brand in high school is kind of hard to Dude, come there was, by, there was a cool photo of a mercer island player kneeling on the eye after playing his final game it kind of i saw fun. that <laughs> i was that i was, was like incredible. oh my god you, you uh, hours like what was it hours after the game i was like you really stood around <laughs> after at a game hours after uh, man come like, on coach is like hey we gotta close the locker room like coach just give me a sec I just, yeah, I just you, gotta do this thing. You just, know, you know that guy was waiting to. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So what I was saying is that um, NFHS Network is gonna be broadcasting the football games coming up. Uh, we got uh, crossovers, then round of sixteen, quarterfinal, semifinal. Like we have like five weeks. That's a high school football. So you want to get all the cool matchups? Subscribe to NFHS Network. It's like seven ninety nine a month. Basically a cup of coffee. I mean, you can get all the games. You know, on your any device. What are you watching? Your potato or your iPhone? can watch Gonzaga Prep versus Richland. NFHS Network, the future of broadcasting. All right, yeah. How how long, how much how many plugs are we going to give <laughs> NFHS Network? What is NFHS giving to us? Come on now. Let's let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen at Luke M O U N G E R and at Jackson M Garner. We're signing off. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>